Good morning, everyone. Our prayer today is going to be about God's mercy. So please join with me. Praise be to you, Lord God, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In your great mercy, you've given us new birth into a living hope through the birth and resurrection of Jesus Christ and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. So we thank you this Advent season for that great mercy of sending Jesus to us and that through his death on the cross you've spared us from sin's penalty. We thank you, Father, for this wonderful mercy for all who have sinned and who have repented, have believed and turned to Jesus and put their trust in him. Father God, we acknowledge that when we sin or drift away from you, we do deserve judgment, and if we were given that judgment, we couldn't remain in your holy presence. So we thank you that you're both just and merciful and that you extend that mercy to us. And we thank you that you are so patient and so forgiving with us. Thank you for your word and the many examples we see of your love and patience towards man and your willingness to show us mercy, to forgive us, and to bring us back to yourself. Thank you that you give us ample time and opportunity to turn to you, to repent and to ask for that mercy. Thank you for your mercy towards us, that it is new and fresh every morning, and we confess that in our imperfection, we need that mercy every morning. We pray... Lord God, for your mercy in times of distress. Please, Father God, stretch out your hand toward us. Do not forsake us. Hear us when we call. Heal our hurts, our troubles, our needs, whatever they might be. Help us to learn to trust you and depend on your mercy that we might then enjoy peace in any situation. We pray too for those who are struggling with guilt and remorse and with shame, perhaps bitterness and unworthiness. Help them to repent as well, to seek forgiveness and not be ashamed to ask for your mercy. We pray that through your mercy and righteousness to restore these people who are struggling and make them worthy again to draw close to you. Forgive us, Father, when we want mercy for ourselves and justice for everyone else. Forgive us when we fail to forgive and be merciful for those who trespass against us. Help us remember that you do not forgive because we forgive others, but only and solely because of your great mercy. Help us to understand that having received your merciful forgiveness, we should then pass it on to others. Help us, we pray, to remember the acts of mercy we can do each day. Help us remember that we have no excuse to neglect those with needs, with deep needs, and that we need to be personally involved in caring for others. Father, we are sorry too for the times when we've not maintained those acts of mercy and love, especially amongst our church family, as you would love us to. We pray your merciful nature will grant us forgiveness and strengthen our unity. 
We pray for your ongoing mercy in all our relationships, in church, our homes, our schools, our places of work, and in our community. Thank you, Father, for your mercy on us. And we pray these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. For those, uh, if you're new, if you're visiting, or if you're tuning in online, perhaps for the first time this morning or over the last couple of weeks you've been uh, tuning in and watching our live stream, I want to particularly welcome you. Uh, As uh, Richard just prayed, we serve a merciful God, uh, a God who I'm grateful that he is patient with us. Uh, And he is gracious, he is loving, he is kind. And uh, we proclaim Jesus, and that's what this morning is about as we uh, look at the names of Jesus in this Advent season. Uh, we want to we lift high Jesus because he is the reason that we're here. Uh, he is the one who makes all things new. He is the one who has the power to transform and change our lives and our hearts uh, forever. So I trust that as I speak, uh, you'd be hearing from him because he is alive, he is here, he's present with us. And uh, he's present with you as you're watching online or listening to this later on as well. Um, And as you're listening this morning, something might come to mind. It might be a word, uh, it might be a testimony, it might be an experience that you've had in your life uh, as I speak. Uh, And if that's the case, I really want to encourage you that you might want to share that afterwards. We're going to have a time after the song at the end where if you get a sense from the Lord that you've got a word, Uh, a testimony, something maybe to add uh, that I've forgotten in in, in my presentation this morning, that I just want to encourage you to do that. So as as I'm speaking, just think about those things. So this, we are in the Advent season, the four weeks uh, leading up to Christmas is Advent. Uh, Advent comes from a Latin word that means coming, And so we celebrate the coming of Jesus uh, into our world at Christmas. There's also another point of his coming that we celebrate or look forward to, and that is his coming again. We are thankful for all that he has done and all he has established. But we know that as he comes again, all of that will be brought to fulfilment. Uh, All that he has come to do and achieve and all the things and hopes and dreams that we are longing for. Uh, is going to come about as he finally establishes uh, his kingdom when he comes again. So Advent is a sense of anticipation, a sense of looking forward. It's a sense of being excited about what is coming. Who here is excited and, and have a sense of anticipation about Christmas? A few hands. <laughs> Who here is looking forward to perhaps... After Christmas. <laughs> Why is that? Well, I think potentially as you're younger, you know, you really look forward to the day of Christmas. So I think as the older you get, the more you look forward to after Christmas, <laughs> the day of, ah, uh, it's all done. Because it's a big thing, isn't it? It's a big event. There's a lot that happens as we gear up to Christmas. There's a song that says it's the most wonderful time of the year. Now, I agree with that statement. It is the most wonderful time of the year, but it also perhaps is not the most wonderful time of the year for many of us. 
Because I think what Christmas does is it highlights, it intensifies something that is the reality of our lives. It brings to light the fact that it should be wonderful, but perhaps it isn't because of certain situations either in us or around us. In fact, I was um, listening to an Andy Stanley podcast uh, during the week and I was, as I was thinking about this, and, and he said exactly the same thing. And he, he says uh, that there are problems we can't solve, there are people we can't control, and there are expectations we can't meet. And what Christmas does is it, it intensifies that and it brings that to light. And if we're honest, if we're really honest, and as we look at that list, we realise that I am the problem I can't solve and that I am the person I can't control and I set expectations that others can't meet. Perhaps you might look at that list and there might be something that uh, comes to light for you as you're planning this Christmas time. It might be that uh, there is... uh, you know, a sense of family getting together, and sometimes that's hard. It should be wonderful, but there are complexities to relationships. Perhaps there is the, the, the guilt or, or the grief of, of losing loved ones, and it's intensified at this time, and it's something we can't do anything about. What is it that as you plan and think about this Christmas time is that you need something in your life. And that's what we're talking about this morning. As we look at the names of Jesus uh, in the Christmas story, we've looked at the King of Kings, we've looked at he's the light of the world. This morning we look at the fact that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the one who came into our world to bring us peace in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our problems, in the midst of our expectations. Uh, in the midst of the people that we struggle to get along with, perhaps. But Jesus promises to bring into those situations his peace. And that's why we celebrate that he is the Prince of Peace at Christmas time. There's a famous passage in Isaiah chapter 9. It often gets pulled out at Christmas time, it gets put on Christmas cards. Uh, And it's a statement where Isaiah prophesied of the coming Messiah, the one that was going to come. He was was promised of God and he was going to come and be the saviour of the world. And what's amazing is that Isaiah is full of prophecies of the coming of Christ. Uh, We we don't have time to go into them this morning, but it's it's an interesting study to look at way before Jesus even came into the world as as a baby, uh, he was prophesied about. So a hundred years before uh, Babylon came and captured Israel and 600 years before Jesus was born, 600 years, Isaiah says these words, For unto us a child is born. To us. And that's not just uh, the people at that time. That is you and me. For us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Now, when we were thinking about this Advent series, there are a couple of names we had to, had to, to throw away. We could, have, we could have done a couple of these, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince 
of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is this child that is born in a stable, in a manger, all those years ago, was the one who was given to us to be reigning over us. And these names that are described here are describing his type of reign, his type of rule. He's not going to be someone who comes and, and rules. We did this in the King of Kings like an earthly king. But his, his counsel, his advice, his, his words of life are wonderful for you and I. His, his deeds are mighty and powerful for you and I. Uh, the everlasting father is an interesting one. It's not saying that he is the, the father. He's, he, is, uh, he was the cre- creator of the everlasting uh, fatherhood of reign. So he reigns in a fatherly way with love with mercy, with grace, as a good father should. And he is the prince of peace. There will be peace because of his character. Now, I don't know about you, but when you mention the word peace, uh, our understanding of peace is probably different from that of the Hebrew understanding of peace. When you, when you say to someone uh, in, the, in the world, you say, uh, we're, we're longing for peace, what straight comes to mind is no war. Peace uh, being at a time uh, where there is no conflict, absence of conflict. Uh, so we say that there's either wartime or there's peacetime. You can't have the two coinciding and existing at the same time. So peace is, in a worldly understanding, is an absence of conflict, absence of violence. In fact, I heard uh, stories in, in World War II where on Christmas Day uh, the German forces and the Allied forces laid down uh, their weaponry and they got a soccer ball and they played soccer on Christmas Day. They had to stop the violence in order to obtain peace. Now... The, the Hebrew understanding of peace has a, an element of that to it, but it is so much deeper and so much more complex uh, than just simply an absence of, of conflict. And the Hebrew word is shalom. Now, it's probably the most common Hebrew word that there is. Some of us might know uh, uh, German, Guten uh, Tag, or whatever, but if we say, oh, I know, I know Hebrew, you might say, that's the one word that I know. Shalom, it's a, it's a well-known uh, word, and it's the word that, that describes peace. Now, when we actually do a, a word study on this word shalom, it is absolutely fascinating. Shalom means completeness. It means safety. It means soundness in body. It's an interesting one, isn't it? It means welfare, health and prosperity. It means quiet, tranquility and contentment. It means right relationships. And it means restoration. Now, Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, embodies all of those things. And he has come to bring about shalom, peace, in our world, in all of those areas, not just simply in an absence of conflict. 
Jesus, I want to take that last one and the first one, completeness and restoration. Put it this way. As the Prince of Peace, Jesus is the one who comes to make things as they were designed to be. When God created all that he created, he looked at it and he said it was good and it was wonderful and it was a perfect design. And sin came in and entered our world and ruined the design and we are living with the consequences of that uh, forever. But Jesus, as the Prince of Shalom, is the one who comes to restore and to make it back to how it was originally designed to be. So Jesus is the Prince Maker, and we cannot experience wholeness, the world as it's designed to be, without the Prince of Peace in our world and in our lives. Um, I've used this illustration uh, before at, at Christmas time that the idea of shalom is like a brick wall. Uh, if you made a brick wall and the brick uh, person forgot one or two or three bricks in the wall, you would notice that it wasn't complete. You would notice that there was a couple of bricks missing. It didn't have shalom. And if the bricklayer was to come and put the bricks in, it would be complete. It would be as it was designed to be. And it would then have this sense of shalom, of peace. Uh, In a similar way, who here has ever done a puzzle and got to the end and been frustrated that there's a piece missing? Yeah, we, we had a, a youth camp uh, not that long ago and we spent hours and hours doing this puzzle and there was one piece missing and it was just so frustrating because your eyes are drawn to the missing piece, not the whole picture. Rather than seeing the completeness, you are drawn to the deficiency, the, the hole in it. Um, I was thinking about this and I found uh, online the biggest puzzle you can get is 40,300-piece puzzle. Uh, And this lady in uh, Brazil did it. There it is. And it's a whole heap of Disney um, uh, scenes. She was so frustrated that after months and months and months of making this, she couldn't find the last piece. Now, this is a really fascinating idea because if we look at our lives and we think of it like a brick wall or or a puzzle I think if we're all honest there are pieces missing or there are bricks missing in our wall whether that be through our behavior through circumstances happening to us through things that we've done ourselves or that are happening around us In all of us, there is this sense of not being complete, not being as we were designed to be, not being whole, not experiencing shalom. But here's the thing. This woman tried all that she could to find the missing piece and she couldn't do it. We can try all we like to try and fit the holes in the wall but it's only the right bricks and it's only the right puzzle piece that's actually going to bring about the completeness. 
And we can't do it ourselves. We cannot, in our own striving, in our own efforts, or getting a piece of cardboard and colouring it in with texture, ever make up for what is ultimately how God has designed us to be. We cannot fit those pieces in ourselves. Only the one who has been promised, the child that has been born, who is the Prince of Shalom, who embodies Shalom, is able to come into our world of brokenness and bring those things and to make us whole and to make us complete. And that is why we celebrate that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of this Shalom. So Jesus brings about this completeness in us. But the interesting thing is that as we look at how Jesus uh, enables us to find this wholeness and this completeness, it is completely opposite to the way the world looks for and strives for peace. You see, Jesus was on a mission to accomplish peace, shalom, and he aims at it. But not only does he aim at it and does he work towards it, he himself embodies it. And in, in enabling shalom, he doesn't violate shalom. You see, if we look at the way the world longs for peace and, and tries to obtain peace, it is very different from the way Jesus did it. In our world, uh, if there is violence and hatred and uh, evil that is pushing against us, our natural inclination is to push back with the same level, perhaps, of violence and hatred. And that's what we see in the world around us. So Jesus had, had an option. He could come about. And he could be like the prophesied Messiah that the Jewish people were hoping for, raise up an army, raise up a kingdom, uh, be on his rightful throne, the, the throne of David, uh, re-establish uh, the Jewish order and come with sword and fight the, the world and establish peace through that means. But Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, um, the United Nations is an organisation that was, was set up to bring about uh, peace uh, after World War II. Uh, and at, at one of the um, headquarters at, at the United Nations, there stands this statue. And it's a statue of a, of a man beating a sword into a plough. And it's a, it was donated by a Russian artist. And it's an interesting concept. And I remember how I talked to you about uh, there's many prophecies in Isaiah about what Jesus was going to come to do. Some of them are about his first coming, but some of them are about his second coming. And this one is one of the prophecies about his second coming. And that is, and this is uh, written on stone by the statue, it says, they shall, it comes from Isaiah 2, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. What a great promise. 
What a great thing to look forward to where we no longer war against each other, but we take those implements of war to be uh, things of bearing fruit. Now, I was going to show that picture, and then I don't know if you know this week, UN unveiled a new statue. Now, I don't have time to go into this, but there's a new statue, and if you look at the um, prophecies of the beast in Daniel and Revelation 13, it looks very much like that. So just going to leave that one there for you to go away and perhaps uh, look at yourself. But the whole point of sharing that story is that in the whole history of the UN's existence, there has not been one year without there being a war somewhere in the world. So um, UN has done an amazing job and, and done wonderful things around the world, yet it has been unable to achieve this sense of peace. So Jesus comes and he does it in a different way. Ever heard the phrase, the end justifies the means? So that's the whole concept of a war to end all wars. That concept doesn't work because violence begets violence. And we see this history repeating in our world. Uh, a people group want to re regain territory or whatever and, and, and oppress and, and push and it works for a while until these people or children that were at that age then grow up and don't like what happened and they push back and then they push back and then they push back and then they push back and the cycle repeats. Jesus said, live by the sword or die by the sword. Martin Luther was preaching on Christmas morning, Martin Luther King, and he said this, the means and ends must cohere because the end is pre-existent in the means. And ultimately, destructive means cannot bring about constructive ends. Destructive means cannot bring about constructive ends. So what he's saying there is that the end doesn't justify the means. The only way to achieve peace is to practice peace on the way to peace. See, what Jesus did was the complete opposite. Rather than push back, he absorbed. As the world, with all of its greed, violence and evil came to Jesus and he, he, he experienced conflict. His world was not absence of conflict, even though he was the prince of peace. In fact, they spat on him. They stripped him. They whipped him. He experienced so much violence. Yet as the prince of peace, rather than pushing back, he absorbed it. And in taking the weight of the sin of the world on himself and to the cross, he achieved shalom, completeness for you and me.
Colossians 1, 19-20 says, God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making what? Making peace. How? Through his blood shed on a cross. Jesus is in the process of shaloming the world, restoring, making right, bringing completeness to not only you and I and our world, inner world, but our outer world. He's right now reconciling himself, everything, not by force, not by force, but through his nature and through his peace. So I just want to talk about three aspects of this peace that he uh, brings to us. First thing I want to talk about is that Jesus, as a Prince of Peace, brings about peace with God. This is uh, Romans 5, chapter 1. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, since we've been justified by faith, other translations say, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ the Lord has done for us. So there was, due to uh, sin, a gap, an alienation, a distance, a relationship that wasn't right. Remember those lists of shalom? Right relationships. And Jesus brings about the ultimate right relationship and he restores us uh, into right relationship with God through his blood on the cross by taking upon our sin and making us right with him. Who here has ever had a, a best friend or a family member and, it's, and the relationship has gone a little bit array and you've longed in your heart for that to be right again and for you to be close and intimate again and you've tried and you've done all that you can but there might be some hostility the other way, there might be some unforgiveness. No matter how hard you try, you can't ever get it back to, to shalom. Well, Jesus is the one who comes and makes us right with God because we couldn't do it. We tried and we tried in our efforts and our striving, but we couldn't do what only he can do. In Ephesians it says, once you were far away from God, there it is again, alienated, distant, out of relationship, but now you've been brought near, intimate, at right relationship through the blood of Christ. And later on in in Verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He has brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, that's you and I, who were far away from him. But now because of Jesus, we are close to him. We have peace with God. Now some of you might say, but I've never done anything to cause this gap. I've never done anything to cause this hostility, to cause this relationship to be skew with. It's the nature of our sin that we are born into that has caused this. And you and I are unable to fix this. This is a hole in the wall. This is a missing puzzle piece that only the Prince of Peace can come and make right again. And so 
I would encourage you at this Christmas time in 2021, again, to come and see. This is the theme for this Advent season, to come and see not only with your eyes, but to acknowledge and, and comprehend that Jesus is the one who has come to make you right with God. We have peace with God. Secondly, we have the peace of God. Before I, I mentioned that Jesus is, is the one who embodies shalom, he embodies all of those things, and he has come into our world and he has, we have known him and we have experienced him. And as we uh, invite him into our lives, we don't, not only uh, see him uh, as our shalom, but we experience his shalom as he gifts his peace to us in our lives. Paul uh, prays for the Thessalonian church. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. At all times and in every situation. As you reflect on this Christmas time and perhaps that list that was up here before, there might be a situation that comes to mind where you think, gosh, I really need his peace in that. I really need to know his presence in this trouble. Because Jesus never promised that things would be easy. Never promised that he would take away uh, all of the evil and the pain, that is going to happen. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But we're still living in a world where there is the consequence of the sin and the decisions that we make and others make on our behalf. And so in those situations, we greatly need his peace. And this is, and this is why in uh, Philippians... Paul says this, and we, we did a whole whole series of this, so I'm not going to go into this. Uh, if you want to look back on our podcasts, um, yeah, we, we did a wonderful series on this. But it says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will not only know, you not only have a concept, you'll not only kind of see and understand, but you will understand, you will experience God's peace. And here's the amazing thing. God's peace is not like the peace that the world gives. His peace exceeds anything we can understand, transcends understanding in other translations. In other words, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that I can experience shalom in the midst of chaos and violence. And yet that is what he promises as he gifts us his peace. So come and see and receive his peace again this Christmas time. I'm going to add another one to Andy Stanley's list circumstances we can't handle. As you reflect on what is coming up for you this year or perhaps even next year and beyond. There are many circumstances that we can't handle. And as I reflect on this, I'm so aware of so many things in my life where I am in need of his shalom to come and give me that sense of peace in the midst 
of uncertainty. We have peace with God. We have peace of God. Now, these are the things that Jesus came uh, to, to bring about in the first coming. And there's something that I think we all long for and desire in our lives. And that is the ultimate peace from God. This is what he promises to do. Can you imagine a world without the need for a navy or the air force or the army? Can you imagine a world where there's no suffering, there's no pain? Can you imagine a world where there's no need for the UN to do anything to, to come and interact with the world? That's because each and every one of us have inside of us a longing desire for things to be as they were designed to be, as God intended them to be. But we're living in an age that is now but not yet. So Jesus has established his lordship, his kingdom, and he has brought about peace in our hearts in the midst of trouble and and, and he has given us peace with God. He's reconciled us to him. Yet we're, we're living in this world of not yet. As, as the coming kingdom comes, it's going to come and finally establish itself where there will be no war, no more. This is why in Isaiah it says, He will be called the Prince of Peace and the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. This is the world that is going to go on forever and ever. There's been a theme running through our Advent series. I said he's the king of kings and his kingdom is going to last forever. He's the light of the world and he can't be put out. He's going to be here forever. And his kingdom of peace will reign forever. This is what you and I long for in our hearts. It's why we're troubled. This is why we notice and are drawn to the empty gaps of puzzle pieces or bricks in our wall because you and I both long for completeness. We both long for proper wholeness, long for proper right relationships with one another and with God and for the world to be all that he has designed it to be. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. These exact same words are also prophesied in Micah 4. That's what I long for. And that's what Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, promises to bring about. Now, as I draw to a close, I just want to talk about one thing, and that is in each of those areas of his peace, his shalom cannot be experienced outside of a relationship with him. We have peace with God when we trust in his work on the cross and we accept what he has done and we say, Lord, let that be for me. 
And in doing that, we bring about a relationship. And that relationship gifts us peace with God. And in our circumstances, it's because of a relationship with Jesus that he is in our lives and we can experience his peace. If we don't know Jesus, we might know about peace or we might experience some bits of peace in the world based on what he has come to do, but we don't ever truly experience that peace, that shalom. It comes through relationship. And ultimately, as he comes again, he's going to call all those who are in relationship with him to experience the peace from God. So as you think about the most wonderful time of the year, and as you think about all that is ahead of you in the next few weeks and beyond, as you, as it highlights and brings to light struggles, problems, circumstances, and you struggle with that, can I encourage you in one thing? Check on your relationship with Jesus. How is your relationship with him going? Because if you are experiencing that trouble, you can't ever find peace out of a relationship. And perhaps coming and seeing this Christmas time is a time for you to re-engage in a way that you know you need for your relationship to be restored and for him to bring about peace. When the angels declared that Jesus was going to come and bring peace, it says this, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggled with this. I've planned Christmas services for a very, very long time. And I would often try and find translations that just said glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth because that sounds nice. That's a, that, that's a, that's a good news story right there. But if we're, if we're true to the word, it says peace to those on whom his favour rests. In other words, true peace on those who are in right relationship with, with Jesus. True peace, Prince of Peace coming into the world has brought about this peace to those whom he loves. That's why John says that Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. This is Jesus uh, just after he talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, I do not give peace to you as the world gives. His peace is different from the world. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Are you struggling this morning? Are you aware of deficiencies in your life, missing puzzle pieces? Um, Joe and I, uh, Joe runs a business from home and we're talking about the expense of Christmas and, and uh, how, how it's going to be paid for. We often talk about that every year. Um, and 
Joe's Joe's business um, she hasn't been doing many parties this time of year, and we're talking about maybe doing a stock take sale of all of this stock that's in the cupboard. And she said something to me, and I was like, I'm going to use that at the end. I said, why don't you like sell all the stuff because that can bring about some finances and we can pay for this Christmas thing. And she said, the problem with that is that when I do parties and I go show people these products, when they see it, they're more likely to buy it. And something went bing in my head. When we see Jesus as the Prince of Peace, as the one who embodies shalom, we are more likely not to buy it, but to experience it, to take hold of it. Can I encourage you this Christmas season that as we're continuing this idea of coming and seeing, of retelling the story and looking at the titles of Jesus in the story, that we would see again and marvel and wonder at Jesus being the Prince of Peace. He is our shalom. I'm going to invite uh, the band up. And I'm going to pray in a moment. But I want to go back to that, that list at this time of year that really highlights and brings to light our deficiencies, the things in our lives that we can't do anything about. I want you to, as we sing this next song, to come again to this baby wrapped in a manger. For unto us this child was born. For us this son was given. And he will be called the Prince of Peace. So that whatever you are dealing with, whether internally or externally, Jesus is the one and the only one who can come and restore things to as they were designed to be. You don't need to strive no more. You don't need to try and fill it with other things. You simply need to come to him and say, I need you. Would you come and fill my life? Would you come and make me right and whole, complete? Part of that description of shalom is quiet, tranquility, contentment. Let's spend some time right now. As we sing, this is a song that you might not know. We're happy to sing it over you. Would you come and be still and kneel before the Prince of Peace? Say, Jesus, would you come and fill my life afresh? In this situation, in that situation, and even in the ones I can't even see yet. Help me to let go and simply come to you.
Earth in shadow Restlessly hold Labor's waiting Thank you, Sam, for that awesome message. Just uh, let's close in prayer. Yes, Father, we are just uh, in awe of your goodness and just that as the Prince of Peace, we can have that peace that is of you. And uh, in this busy period, the turmoils, the the struggles, Lord, we just hand it to you now. And, uh, yeah, we want to feel and experience your peace and be part of part of all of that goodness that you've given through your son jesus in jesus name we pray these things amen well um ah uh, yes so sam mentioned at the start if uh someone had a word or wanted to share a a message um yeah graham please come up oh judy you're first It's about the jigsaw puzzle, actually. My granddaughter in Sydney did a 20,000-something jigsaw puzzle, and when she got to the end, there was a piece missing also. And you could say in that household there was no peace over the piece. Anyway, in the end, after lots of turmoil, they contacted the manufacturer who supplied the missing piece, which the moral of the story is... That's who you go to, your manufacturer. That's great. Thank you. Come on. Uh, I'd just like to share something. A year before Jill and I became Christians, we used to make a trip down uh, the M1 from the north of England down to south of England to visit my brother. I have a twin brother. He looks exactly like me. And he and his wife had become Christians a few years beforehand. Our son David had just been born, and we used to travel up and down the M1, and they would share with us about what had happened to them. And we used to travel these trips down, and we would say, we hope we're not going to have one of those weekends again. (laughs) And we would wait for the halo to slip. And it did from time to time, but we noticed there was something in them that we could not deny. And it was something uh, about Jo, when she had the real thing, which people couldn't deny. We could see that they had in their hearts a piece which we could not deny, and it was deep there and real for them. And they had that peace because they had experienced the Prince of Peace. And uh, after that year, uh, we gave our lives to the Lord because we had seen a peace in their hearts and their lives that was real for them because they had the Prince of Peace. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else like to come? Uh, Kathy, come on. Thanks. Um, I'll tell two two short stories about that Thessalonians verse where God gives peace in all circumstances. Uh, the first one is uh, the morning before I got married. 
um, or the morning of my wedding and getting up at five o'clock in the morning and spending just 15, 20 minutes of real peaceful time just communing with my God, with my Father, um, all of the craziness leading up to that. Um, I was just able to be alone with him and know that he was there and he was giving me peace. I had that peace all day. It was just a wonderful day. Um, the other time I experienced peace in when it didn't make sense was uh, when my um, my nearly 10-year-old daughter was lying in hospital bed and I knew that that was going to be her last day with us. And I laid there with her and I knew the horror, the horror of death was kind of in my body as a at the same time, I had this amazing peace that God was there and that he was holding all of us in his hands. And um, I've heard from others that were working there that they sensed that peace too in that room. It was a supernatural peace and, um, and I still have that peace today. Praise God. Thanks, Cathy. That's beautiful. Anyone else? Well, um, tonight is another great opportunity to come and share and participate in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, this, when I opened the sermon, I, the, before the sermon, I prayed about the joy and want to experience joy. Um, that's one of the fruits. And this, that's uh, the second in the list from Galatians. The third is peace. And I think it's really important to take time and just actually, um, yeah, invest into that. So Hans will be with us again tonight, and I think that's a great opportunity just to actually come together. Um, and maybe you need to just take that time out and experience his peace. Uh, and I know it's challenging when you're busy, but he can re-energise you as well. So um, we're looking forward to that tonight. So just a reminder, it's 7.30 here at the church. Uh, and uh, we have the prayer room here, so if you'd like to pray with someone or just, um, yeah, have some fellowship together, that'd be great. So, uh, yeah, that's bringing us to the end of the sermon, that service. And, uh, yeah, go out and have a coffee and enjoy some company with each other. Thanks, guys. Thanks, team.